Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's an exciting time of the year for sports, ladies and gents. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback in the National Football League. Odds on Lamar Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to to begin the season and have since plummeted making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. And then on the 14th, we had one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time, three championship fights, all highly anticipated right in the betting capital of the world in Las Vegas, Nevada. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action. We have the best place for you to go, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around. If you're looking to join right now, talking right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with right now. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid, my bookie. Today is January 8th, 2020. It's a Wednesday. Can't go wrong with a Wednesday. We're talking this week in pro wrestling as it was a pretty busy weekend in Tokyo, Japan. New Japan Pro Wrestling presented Wrestle Kingdom 14 inside the Tokyo Dome. Chris Jericho, La Champion of All Elite Wrestling, made his third appearance at Wrestle Kingdom last Sunday. He competed against Hiroshi Tanahashi, where Tanahashi had an opportunity to gain an AEW championship match if he beat Jericho. Did it happen? We're going to talk about it. John Moxley competed in his first ever Wrestle Kingdom on both Saturday and Sunday at Wrestle Kingdom 14, stealing the show, quite honestly. He defeated Lance Archer in a Texas death match to capture his second IWPG United States title in the last six months. But then he got a little greedy. He got on the microphone after the match and said he's a gambler. He wanted to leave Tokyo with everything or with nothing. So then he faced Juice Robinson on Sunday for the U.S. title in a rematch from G1 Climax from over the summer. Will Ospreay had another instant classic. Okada and Naito shared a special moment in the ring before Hideo Itami made his presence felt. It was quite the spectacle of New Japan Pro Wrestling this weekend in Tokyo. The Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2 is just a few weeks away as the ship is set to st- set sail from Miami to the Bahamas on January 20th through the 24th. And then after that, it's uh, the WWE Royal Rumble live from Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. A lot is going down in the month of January, so let's get to it. Episode 138 presented by Belly Up Sports. Use our promo code OSHO10, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-10, for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com. You should have used TickPick. And also, if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping H, remember to use our promo code OSHO20, that's capital O-S-H-O-W-20, for $20 off your next order using Mecha Nutrition. This week in pro wrestling, New Japan, AEW, WWE, let's go. We're talking this week in professional wrestling, and we're going to kick things off with New Japan Pro Wrestling's 
annual event, Wrestle Kingdom number 14, took place at the Tokyo Dome this weekend. And if there were any worries that extending Wrestle Kingdom into a two-day event, Saturday and Sunday, would lessen the magic of what is traditionally the best wrestling pay-per-view of the year, well, those assumptions were proven wildly inaccurate and unnecessary this past weekend. Over two nights, wrestling fans were treated to -to back-to-back cards of the exact kind of in-ring drama that makes the New Japan Pro Wrestling product so special. The story coming into, and I guess going out of, you could say, Wrestle Kingdom 14 was always which of the four top stars would leave the two nights as both the IWGP heavyweight champion and the IWGP intercontinental champion. But the four main tournament matches featured Akata, Naito, Jay White, uh, Kota Ibushi. Uh, Those were far more from the only matchups of importance happening at the Tokyo Dome. So non-tournament highlights from night one included an early match of the year contender. Again, like I said, I think Will Ospreay stole the show when he locked horns with Hiromu Takahashi, who beat Will Ospreay to capture the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. And then, of course, John Moxley taking home the gold as well, the IWGP United States title in a Texas deathmatch war with Lance Archer. And then night two saw uh, uh, Justin Thunder Liger wrestle. I almost, <laughs> that's, a, that's a mouthful right there. Justin Thunder Liger wrestled uh, the final match of his story career as well as a, a hate-filled, never-open-weight championship match between Haruki Goto and Kenta occurred. But Wrestle Kingdom 14 was, more than anything else, all about Naito and the culmination of his journey back to the mountaintop, a journey he completed by winning a match that will go down in the books as one of the greatest in professional wrestling history. Overall, Wrestle Kingdom 14 grade, you got to go with an A+. I mean, Naito becomes double champ, a celebration that was short-lived at the very end. It was on night one when Naito faced off with IWGP Intercontinental Champion Jay White to earn his trip to the main event on Sunday. So ultimately, the story of the match between Naito and White was the methodical work White put in on the knee of Naito, and then the punishment to Naito's knee would play into night two in a huge way. So Naito also had to overcome interference from Jito, who was ringside with White, but ultimately managed to put White away, paying a heavy physical toll in the process with that knee. And then Okada did not escape from night one unscathed. His main event heavyweight championship match with Ibushi would be the standout match of any other weekend as the two brutalized each other with massive strikes and high-impact moves. At one point, Ibushi's trademark violence uh, hit points that were downright frightening as he delivered close fist shots to Okada, leaving the champion with little to do but cover up and hope the onslaught would be stopped immediately. I mean, as Okada does in the biggest moments, he dug down deep to pull out the victory and advanced to face off with Naito in the main event of Night 2, who again, arguably one of the greatest matches in pro wrestling history, as well as the storyline, given that these two are two of the top stars in New Japan and have been for quite some time. And when Naito and Okada finally stepped into the ring together, They did so in the face of lofty expectations. Both men have spent years on years delivering matches that rank among the best of the best, not to mention the expectations that come with a New Japan Pro Wrestling Tokyo Dome main event. And what they delivered was a tension-filled, emotional journey. Okada clearly feeling Naito would never truly be on his level, brutalized the knee white that White had softened up the night before, 
including dropping Naito knee first on a ringside table. Naito had to beat the 20 count to stay alive in the match, which he did, but just in the nick of time. And uh, yeah, 20 count, ladies and gentlemen, not a 10 count, a 20 count. As uh, the two men hit the, the home stretch of the match, though, Naito was slowly earning Okada's respect. Okada began to desperately look for a rainmaker while Naito tried to find the right position to land Destino. Both men would eventually hit their big moves, but only to see the other kick out. Finally, Naito, sensing his moment and pausing to pound his chest as he uh, is about to hit his finisher, climbed to the top uh, rope to hit the, the Stardust Press, another Destino, and score the pinfall to become the double champ. And joy is often short-lived in wrestling, and this night was no different. After briefly having the opportunity to celebrate his victory, Naito was brutally attacked by none other than Kenta, the former Hideo Itami. Having reached the top, Naito ended his night lying underneath opposing Kenta to close out the show. I mean, there's little left to be said about what Naito and Okada did in the main event, though. It was a truly legendary match that spoke to everyone that is emotional and dramatic in pro wrestling. Not not yearning for Naito to have his moment is to lack a soul. Not, not to react to the back-and-forth drama of the match is to lack a heart in the eyes of many pro wrestling fans after this fight. And while wrestling can be stupid and campy with random, nonsensical angles inserted, it can also be Okada versus Naito at Wrestle Kingdom 14 in the Tokyo Dome. Grade A-plus, without a doubt. And uh, the rest of the card, the results, of course, uh, Okada defeating Abushi on night one to retain the heavyweight title, Naito defeating Jay White, to win the Intercontinental Championship. You had Hiromu Takahashi defeating Will Offspray for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Moxley defeating Lance Archer. We'll get to that in a second for the U.S. title. You had Finn Juice, which was David Finley and Juice Robinson, defeating uh, Gorillas of Destiny to win the Tag Team Championships. Uh, and then Night 2, which arguably could have been better than one, Night 1. Night 1 was phenomenal. Night 2 kicked ass as well. Naito defeating Okada to win the title. Chris Jericho, AEW champion, La Champion, defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, which means uh, Tanahashi cannot receive an AEW title match. As of right now, we'll see what happens in the future. Jay White defeated Cody Ibushi. And then the Never Openweight Championship, Haruki Goto defeated Kenta. And then for the U.S. title, John Moxley defending his title against Juice Robinson. Remember, they faced off in the G1 Climax over the summer. A rematch, Moxley wins. He goes 2-0 on the weekend, leaves the Tokyo Dome as the U.S. champion for New Japan Pro Wrestling, heading back to AEW. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Sonata for the British Heavyweight Championship. Um, and then Hiromu Takahashi and Ryu Lee defeated Jushin Thunder Liger and Naoki Sano via pinfall in Thunder Liger's final matchup of his career. A must-see event for all pro wrestling fans, but I do want to get back to the John Moxley-Lance Archer-Texas death match because I think that stole the show at least for the first night, if not for the main event between Kabushi and... Uh, Okada. Before the main event, it was arguably the best match that was seen on the show up to that point. A fun brawl as, of course, the former Dean Ambrose and Archer used kendo sticks, they used chairs, they used tables, and then they used Archer's hat that was tipped with metal spikes. The selling by John Moxley in this match was top-notch. The emotion in every spot he took from Archer had the perfect expression painted on his face. That's how it should be so that people can get behind you. The pacing was good as everything Moxley and Archer did meant something. They weren't flying around the ring and in turn helped tell a good story. 
and enjoyed the ending. I enjoyed the ending when Archer uh, set up two tables on the outside after a set of reversals on the apron that resulted in both guys bleeding due to Archer's headgear, the, the spikes on his hat when he walked to the ring. Moxley hit a death rider, which is a dirty deeds or a paradigm shift. Who's keeping count, though? Uh, he hit the death rider from, from the apron uh, to th- uh, right through the tables. Archer couldn't make the count of 10, and then Moxley regained the title. The right finish, so Moxley and Robinson can finish their feud at the show the next night. I was very fascinated to see what New Japan Pro Wrestling does with Moxley, though, moving forward. He's one of the biggest names on the roster, and as of now, he's in a mid-card position. Hopefully in 2020, he's put in a marquee position as he could probably garner a lot more attention and bring home more American fans over to help build their subscription service in New Japan World. Uh, overall, I give that an A- minus that match. Again, I thought it was phenomenal. And then, of course, you got Takahashi defeating Will Offspray. I'm at a complete loss of words for this match. What a story told by two of the best professional wrestlers in the world today, and that's with Takahashi only being in his fourth match back since his devastating neck injury, which almost ended his career almost a year ago. They centered the bout around the injury. Everything done here was perfect, including uh, the special spot, which if your timing is off, even by a second is completely ruined, could have hurt both guys' careers. The seamless transitions from one spot to another were breathtaking to watch and kept making you jump out of your seat. You, could, you couldn't ask for a better ending with Takahashi doing a cradle tombstone pile driver that had Will Offspray landing on his neck to win the belt to a great reaction from the crowd inside the Tokyo Dome, which was into, into it every step of the way. They were into it every step of the way in wanting its hero to overcome the adversity, I guess you'd say, outlined in front of him. It, it was a simple and straightforward story to tell. Offspray and Takahashi took the ball and knocked it out of the park. Grand slam, out of the stadium, over the green monster, on, on, on across the street, whatever you want to say. They knocked it out of the park. It's going to be hard to top what we just saw for the rest of the weekend or so. That's what I thought at the time. Going, I think the first show was Saturday. This was on Saturday. So I said going into tomorrow, which was Sunday, and the remainder of 2020, we, we're, we're not even a week into the new year, and we had three matches that could be match of the year candidates on one card on one night at the Tokyo Tome. Great A-plus from Osprey and Takahashi. And then that leads me to Naito versus Jay White for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Now, on paper, on paper, this wasn't expected to be as good as Osprey Takahashi in the main event. While it wasn't as good as the former, White and Naito put on a solid match, you could say. I thought it was a solid match. The first half was just there, and the second half was pretty good. But give White a bulk of credit in this instance. He carried the majority of it and showed why he's arguably the best heel, not only in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but in all of pro wrestling right now. And while Naito isn't as good as he used to be due to a plethora of injuries, he did an outstanding job of selling the knee being unable to do certain moves or having a difficult time in doing them because of the knee. And after three destinos, Naito pinned White to win and move on to Sunday's headliner where he faced the winner of Okada, Kota Ibushi in a title versus title affair, IC title versus world title, Okada versus Naito. And that leads me to Okada versus Kota Ibushi. I graded that one a B, the match, uh, White versus Naito, just because, you know, the first half of it just 
It was all right. It was just there, slow, methodical, and in the end sort of picked up. A good finish. That's why it gets to the B. But Okada versus Ibushi. Uh, Okada defeated him to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Remember when we said Offspray and Takahashi would be hard to beat? It only took two matches to top it. So Okada and Ibushi took things to an entirely different level. The story told by them had you on the edge of your seat for over 40 minutes and wondered what would happen next. The match started at, you could say, a deliberate but steady pace, which indicated it was going to be a while because he had the 60-minute timeline. And, and during the match, Okada focused on Ibushi's neck while Ibushi centered on power moves to Okada's head and showed no emotion with the heel tactics, the heel tendencies by throwing closed fist punches and kicks. So those were the perfect facial expressions of not caring less and, and that he's here to win a championship. And after the 20-minute mark, Okada and Ibushi started to amp it up a little bit and brought the heavy artillery and gave it everything that they had and they emptied out their gas tanks. Okada and Ibushi provided nonstop action with each kicking out of each other's finishers that left you wondering who would win. That's always the exciting part of the match. And in the end, Okada hit one more vicious rainmaker and a tombstone for the victory to move on to the title versus title match against Naito, which was arguably an even better match. But this was an instant classic and one of the best matches I've ever seen watching professional wrestling. The roller coaster journey Okada and Ibushi took you on, it just exemplified why Okada is the best wrestler in the world today, and Ibushi is not that far behind him. Grade A plus, if I can give it more, A plus, 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 like in the Christmas story on his, uh, on, on his article about the BB gun, A plus, plus, plus from them, and that was, that was only the first night. So let's get into night number two from New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 14. And, of course, the big question going into this event was, could New Japan Pro Wrestling top the first night of Wrestle Kingdom 14 on Sunday morning at the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan? So, New Japan Pro Wrestling's signature event provided moments of a lifetime this weekend. I gotta say, you went from the final match in the legendary career of, uh, of Thunder Liger... Uh, to two historic figures in the pro wrestling business in Chris Jericho and Hiroshi Tanahashi finally locking horns. And then it culminates with Naito and Okada putting on one of the great, the most phenomenal wrestling match in recent memory that saw Naito get the victory to become the first wrestler in New Japan history to hold both the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship at the exact same time simultaneously. So here's my grade and recap for some of the matches that took place uh, on Sunday night. So this was Sunday. Talked about the, the Takahashi and Lee defeating Thunder Liger and Sano in their final match. And of course, watching Liger walk down the ramp one final time was a goosebump moment for most wrestling fans because of what he meant for the smaller guys in wrestling in proving that they're special and can do just as much as anybody else can do and mean just as much as the big guys. And the central focus was on Takahashi, who won the uh, junior heavyweight title from Will Offspray on Saturday, and Liger. So the two started and finished the match with Takahashi executing the time bomb, I think it's called, for the, the pinfall in a passing of the torch moment, so to speak. I think that's what that was. Uh, that was the, the correct move with Takahashi in position to be what Liger was for over 30 years. Phenomenal career. Thank you to Thunder Liger for everything that he's given to the professional wrestling business. 
other than that kind of a slow match, I gave it a C plus. Just just the nostalgia effect at the end was pretty cool to see. And then I want to talk about this match. This is probably one of the more technical wrestling matches, you could say, between Zack Sabre Jr. and Sonata. He retained his British Heavyweight Championship. And if you're a fan of technical wrestling, this was definitely for you. Sabre is a genius at work. The way he's able to move and the way he's able to make what looks like boring old holds into something exciting is a testament to him. And that's due to the confidence he executes inside the squared circle. Credit should be given to Sonata for being able to adapt to Sabre's style. Not many guys can adjust to different styles, but he was ready to. Shock Sabre won here, considering the build had been centered on Sonata, not winning a singles title. But the story continues that Sonata comes up just a bit short. I gave that grade a B. Again, great technical wrestling match. And then, of course, I mentioned John Moxley, his, his Texas death match the night before. Uh, he faced Juice Robinson for the U.S. title on Sunday as well, and he defeated Juice Robinson to retain his IWGP United States title. So you went from a grappling match to a tremendous hard-hitting brawl between two heavy rivals. So seeing Robinson from NXT to New Japan is night and day. His improvement is great to see, and being in New Japan is tailor-made for Moxley as he gets to go back to his roots of being a hardcore son-of-a-bitch matches way more entertaining before entering WWE. The shots Moxley and Robinson were throwing were hard. They were stiff, with neither giving an inch until Moxley put him away with the double-arm DDT followed immediately by the Death Rider to hold on to the championship. It, it was expected that Moxley would lose the belt here, if I'm being honest, because he's got to go back to All Elite Wrestling. So it's good to see him staying with New Japan for the foreseeable future. Maybe this is an extension of a possible partnership between All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling. That would be something to see going up head-to-head with WWE and World Wrestling Entertainment. So the other match uh, I wanted to get into, of course, was Jay White defeating Kota Ibushi. So the two losers from the night before. Uh, what a performance from White and Ibushi, considering what they put their bodies through on Saturday night. The storytelling was so great. Both guys sold for each other's moves like a billion bucks especially White when Ibushi showed his new mean streak and planted White with one vicious strike after another. I mean, the look in his eyes was spine-tingling and made you feel like he was going to inflict serious harm to White. The interference by Guido was, uh, I think it was with brass knuckles, that helped White win, was a, a tad too much in my eyes, but it fits the dastardly heel persona of Jay White to a T. It'll be interesting to see where Ibushi goes after two straight losses as it looks like Jay White looks to be in for a crack against Naito down the road. I, I graded that one an A-. minus. I thought that was another phenomenal match between two great p- competitors. And then I wanted to get into, of course, AEW champion La Champion, Chris Jericho, defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. This is one of the more highly anticipated matchups. That was a tremendous old-school wrestling match. I mean, Jericho and Tanahashi did each other's mannerisms, showed great facial expressions throughout to make you believe in what they were doing and made every move they executed matter. They had the crowd in the palm of their hands from start to finish, which culminated in Jericho making Tanahashi tap to his patented lion tamer after hitting the code breaker from the top rope. There's a reason Jericho and Tanahashi are two of the greatest of all time, and this bout showed why that's the case. I know many fans wanted Tanahashi to win so he could get a crack at the AEW heavyweight title, But as New Japan Pro Wrestling announcer Kevin Kelly said on the broadcast after the match, goodbye Forbidden Portal shows the tension between both organizations is still there between 
AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Let's hope one day that changes. I think Chris Jericho said in his post-match press conference, he wants AEW and New Japan to work together because how many phenomenal matches are you going to see between those guys? Imagine Jericho versus Offspray for the AEW title. Cody versus Offspray. John Moxley versus Offspray. I mean, you could see them in New Japan as well between Jericho and Moxley, but just imagine all the money that they can make teaming up together against WWE. So let's hope one day that changes as both companies working together is, quote-unquote, as Triple H would say, best for business. I graded that one an A-, minus. tremendous match between two crusty veterans. And then you got Naito versus Okada. Naito finally defeating Okada to win the IWGP heavyweight title and to retain the Intercontinental title. You can be, you can get a pretty good feel how a match is going to go before the two uh, wrestlers even lock up. That was the case for Okada and Naito as the crowd was absolutely deafening in the Tokyo Dome, and they they hadn't even touched each other yet. Early early on in the match, it was playing off like Okada was always one step ahead of Naito and showed heel tendencies by being cockier and cockier and confident that he could beat Naito whenever he wanted. He even showed a new dimension to his character when he slapped Naito in the face first. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was face first through the announce table and injured his knee. Again, he was playing off that knee injury. That only got the crowd more behind Naito, and they had the people f- uh, from there, basically, who were into every single thing either guy was doing. But I guess you can say in unison, they wanted Naito to pull through and win the big one finally. He hasn't won the big one. He's never beaten Okada. But then we saw both guys continuing to kick out of each other's finishing moves towards the end at the last possible moment, which made you get on the edge of your seat wondering what it would take for Okada or Naito to put uh, the other away, to put the, the stake in, to, to put the nail in the coffin. You knew it was Naito's night when, unlike the last time they met at Wrestle Kingdom 12 in January 2018, Naito hit the Stardust Press. He followed it up with one final destino to get the win and captured the ultimate prize at the New Japan's premier event and became the first person in New Japan pro wrestling history to hold both titles simultaneously. This was an unbelievable match to cap off a historic weekend. The bar was Okada Ibushi from Saturday. But Naito Okada smashed through and put on an epic encounter. Will be talked about for years to come. I think I gave Naito, or I think I gave Okada and Ibushi an A++++. I'm going to give this one an A++++. So add another plus at the end of that. Historic weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And yeah, if they team up with AEW sometime down the road, obviously right now the tensions are still high. But if one day... One day they're able to team up against WWE. Vince McMahon better watch out because those guys are going to make a lot of money together. So speaking of Vince McMahon, let's talk a little bit about the WWE Royal Rumble because it's coming up in a few weeks now. A few weeks, WWE Royal Rumble. So far, the advertised matches, of course, 30-man Royal Rumble, 30-woman Royal Rumble. You got Daniel Bryan uh, 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 going one-on-one with Bray Wyatt, the fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship at the Rumble, probably the most anticipated title match of the night. Uh, Becky Lynch, one year to the day, going face-to-face, toe-to-toe with Asuka. For the second year in a row, last year was for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This year it's for the Raw Women's Championship. Brock Lesnar is going to be there, though. Still doesn't have a match, and I quite frankly don't give a rat's ass what Brock Lesnar does at the Royal Rumble because, you know, he's going to win, and whoever he faces at WrestleMania, we'll see. Uh, it was supposed to be Tyson Fury, but it wasn't scheduled as of last week or something. The other guy he was going to face was possibly Cain Velasquez again. We don't want to see that again. He already beat him once. He doesn't need to beat him twice. 
This might be the year that they have to go with a younger guy, a younger guy to take on Lesnar and to beat Lesnar and just take the chance. I mean, Lesnar lost to Rollins twice this year. He's not indestructible like he was in past years. You know, he can be beat. This might be the year you got to take an NXT guy or even one of your rising main roster guys to take down Lesnar for the WWE title. Bring the WWE Championship back to Monday Night Raw so that they can actually compete with SmackDown this time around since SmackDown has arguably the hottest wrestler in WWE today in Bray Wyatt. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Let's talk about the Royal Rumble, but first, another quick word from my bookie. It's an exciting time of the year for sports, ladies and gents. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback in the National Football League. Odds on Lamar Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to to begin the season and have since plummeted making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. And then on the 14th, we had one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time, three championship fights, all highly anticipated right in the betting capital of the world in Las Vegas, Nevada. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action. We have the best place for you to go. My bookie, if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around. If you're looking to join right now, talking right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with right now. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid, my bookie. Yep, my bookie, my bookie. It's easy money, ladies and gents. Easy money. Won myself $55 yesterday having the Seahawks over the Eagles. They were the favorites and they won. But we are on our way down the road to WrestleMania as of right now. The 2020 Royal Rumble event right around the corner. It's one of the most anticipated events of the WWE calendar. I think probably the most anticipated. This year's Royal Rumble show will once again take over a Major League Baseball stadium. Second year in a row last year in Phoenix, Arizona at Chase Field. The show is set to take place at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Home of the Houston Cheaters. The 2020 Royal Rumble goes down on January 26th, I think, Sunday, January 26th. Main card beginning at 7 p.m. on the WWE Network. The kickoff show is going to begin two hours prior at 7 p.m. The confirmed matches so far for the 2020 Royal Rumble are, of course, the men's Royal Rumble match. As with every year's Royal Rumble throughout the years, expect the top stars on the roster. Maybe a few surprise returns, though we haven't really seen too many over the past few years at all. Uh, The only confirmed entrant is Roman Reigns, and quite honestly, he could be the winner. I think Tyson Fury was the only other favorite coming out of the men's for the Royal Rumble match. He'd face Lesnar at Mania, though that match really isn't that attractive. Roman Reigns winning makes sense, and fans aren't going to like it, but this would be his second Royal Rumble win. Then he'd probably go on to face Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, at WrestleMania in a WrestleMania main event that is more than likely to take place. And then you got the women's Royal Rumble match. 2020 will be the third time the women have a uh, WWE Royal Rumble match. Similar to the men, there will be an expected... A few surprises along the way, probably, you know, in all likelihood, um, Lita and Trish Stratus. Uh, there's one big one that I think will end up winning it. Oscar won the first one in 2018. Becky Lynch won it in 2019 at Chase Field. And now we're ready to see who will make themselves the third on that short list. The only confirmed entrant so far is Charlotte Flair. But I believe, now hear me out, I think this is 
not even a bold prediction. I think this is a prediction a lot of people have. Ronda Rousey is going to return from her one-year hiatus, win the Royal Rumble match, and then face Becky Lynch one-on-one, the match everybody wanted to see last year at WrestleMania, this year at WrestleMania, in one of the co-main events. I don't think it'll be the main event, but Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship in one of the main events at WrestleMania 36. And then you got Universal Champion The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, taking on Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan earned another shot at Wyatt and the Universal title when he defeated The Miz and Baron Corbin on SmackDown on December 27th, Brian lost to Wyatt at Survivor Series a few months ago, and then they continued their feud with Wyatt dragging Brian under the ring on the SmackDown follow-up the week later and ripping out his beard and hair. Though he really didn't do it, it was just fake, it was fake hair. But Brian got a haircut anyways. Brian, uh, he's back better than ever. I, I guess the whole theme here with The Fiend is that once he beats you, it changes you. I guess that's what we've seen. Finn Balor, after losing to Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam, went back to NXT as a heel. And then Seth Rollins lost the Universal Championship to Bray Wyatt. And then he turned heel. The Miz just turned heel after losing to the Firefly Funhouse host Bray Wyatt. And then Daniel Bryan changed by getting a haircut and a beard trim. So he looks like Daniel Bryan from old, the the American dragon. It seems that he's come back stronger as opposed to weaker and is looking to end Wyatt's run as champ, though it's unlikely. But it, it's going to be fun to see because these four faced off at the Royal Rumble five years ago, six years, yeah, six years ago, 2014. It was Bray Wyatt, the leader of the Wyatt family, the eater of worlds versus the yes movement, Daniel Bryan. I mean, I guess this is also a yes movement, Daniel Bryan, but it's more of, again, that 2011, 2012 look, Daniel Bryan, as opposed to the yes movement brand. But it should be interesting. Definitely the most anticipated title match on the card, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. And then you got a Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Asuka. The, the story in this one is uh, Becky Lynch Lynch's self-doubt being largely linked to her inability to overcome Asuka when the two have clashed. So this led to Lynch uh, to the rare role of a champion seeking out a match from a challenger. Now she'll get a chance to earn the retribution she she, uh, seeks uh, when this much-anticipated match uh, occurs in Houston. So last year they faced off at the Royal Rumble for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This year they're facing off for the Raw Women's Championship. Asuka has always beaten Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has never beaten Asuka. Should be interesting. And then we talked a little bit about Brock Lesnar. Now, I don't give a damn what Brock Lesnar does at the Royal Rumble, but as of right now, he's going to be returning on Raw tonight. And obviously, this is on Wednesday. I recorded this on a Monday, so I'm two days late. So we'll see if Brock Lesnar has a match set going into the Royal Rumble. But my prediction going into the 2020 Rumble in Houston is probably another Lesnar-Kane Velasquez match. I could see him popping up tonight and attacking Lesnar. I mean, Lesnar matches are few and far between these days. And a rubber match with Kane Velasquez could be the direction that WWE goes here, considering Velasquez dominated Lesnar when the two fought in UFC. And then Lesnar picked up a fairly quick win when the two met at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia. So a rubber match, third clash to determine who's better, Lesnar versus Velasquez. Maybe likely for the Rumble. Who knows? Going into WrestleMania, again, we really don't know. If Reigns wins, if Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble, I don't know who Brock Lesnar faces at WrestleMania. I really don't. I don't know what the plan is for Brock Lesnar. It's, it's a shame. It hurts Raw's ratings, though the creative might do that anyways. But having the WWE Championship there every single week will definitely help the ratings. Take the belt off Lesnar for the love of God. How many times have we said that over the years? Another match that I think will happen at the Royal Rumble, if they're not in the Royal Rumble match itself, is Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Rey Mysterio all seeking retribution in a six-man tag team match against Seth Rollins 
and the authors of pain. So Rollins' heel turn, I guess you could say crystallized when he uh, led AOP, the authors of pain, in a brutal attack on Kevin Owens after weeks of teasing the heel turn. And then Owens clearly saw it coming. Mysterio ends up helping KO in a more passive way the same night. That left Rollins and AOP to take him out uh, the following Raw. And then Samoa Joe, who was on the commentary table over the past month, uh, warned the locker room not to look away from the actions of uh, the group, eventually receiving his own beating. It got thrown through the announce table. So a hard-hitting six-man tag would make a lot of sense at the Rumble. And then you got a few other title matches that you'll probably see. The first being an Intercontinental Championship match between Shinsuke Nakamura and Braun Strowman. I mean, this pairing was rumored to have been planned for a long time on SmackDown. And recent editions of SmackDown saw Strowman help the New Day deal with Nakamura and Sami Zayn and Cesaro, which included pinning the Intercontinental Champ in a six-man tag team match. So it's a classic way to uh, build toward an eventual pay-per-view title match. And then, of course, you got to look at uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship as well. You're going to have Bayley most likely going up against, I mean, Lacey Evans, I guess. She'd probably be next in line. While her face turn really hasn't made complete sense and doesn't fit the character, that has been the developed for the last few months. It's clear a showdown with Bailey is planned for her, maybe. I mean, Bailey and Sasha Banks have tormented Lacey Evans, including mocking her younger daughter during the uh, December 20th edition of SmackDown, uh, adding some extra spice to the match, I guess you could say. So Bailey versus Lacey Evans probably going to round out that card at the Royal Rumble, but we'll see. I mean, going into WrestleMania, I think the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns is the only lock, which is nice to see because it'll actually give you a clear sense, well, maybe not a clear sense, I should say, as to what's going to happen at WrestleMania. It's going to be a weird, windy road. Hopefully they get it right. They never they never get it right, but this is going to be the first WrestleMania event in the AEW era, so should be interesting to see. WWE Royal Rumble taking place on January 26th, live from Minute Maid Park. But before that, two days before that, is when Chris Jericho's cruise comes back from the Bahamas back to Miami. So it's January 20th through the 24th, the Chris Jericho Rock and Razor, Rager Wrestling at Sea Cruise. I guess that's what they call it, part two, though they're saying part duh. And, of course, AEW, everybody on that roster making the the trip, as well as a few rock bands, a few podcasts, a few comedians. Ric Flair is going to be a guest of honor. The 16-time champ in WWE and TNA is going to be there. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias is hosting it. Jack Slade, who hopefully will be on the show sooner or later. We got Jack Slade confirmed for the show in 2020. He's going to be the carrier of the ice, which is awesome. Here's what's going down on that cruise in just a few weeks. Again, the 20th through the 24th. The master of ceremonies, of course, is La Champion, Chris Jericho. Guest of honor, the nature boy, Ric Flair. You got Cody, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, John Moxley, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hagar, Santana Ortiz. So the full inner circle going to be there. Brandy Rhodes, Pac, Hangman Page, SCU, uh, Ali, Britt Baker, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt, Nyla Rose, Penelope Ford, you got Darby Allen, Kip Sabian, among others from the AEW roster, then the host Gabriel Iglesias, Vicky Guerrero making her return to pro wrestling as the guest cruise director, and then special guest Scott Hall, X-Pac, Booker T, Jake the Snake Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page, Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Shaw Guerrero, Ted Irvine, 
Red Cub Jeff, Jack Slade, and then, of course, the live podcast consume of uh, Talk is Jericho, Wrestling Observer Live, uh, 83 Weeks, X-Pac, 12360, Beyond the Darkness, and the Hall of Fame hosted by Booker T. And then, of course, the musical guest is going to be led by Fozzie. And then you got two comedians as well. So the comedians, Bruce Jingles, he appeared on uh, TMZ in 2008. I think it was a dark comedy called Driving Bill Crazy. And then the other guy is going to be Craig Gass. You know Craig from Sex and the City, King of Queens, and even the Howard Stern Show. Most recently, he has been doing voices on Family Guy and American Dad and uh, just shot the new TV show First Impressions with Dana Carvey and Steve Carell. So he's the only comedian in the world who dedicates a large chunk of his stand-up to his love for, of course, the rock band Kiss. So it should be interesting to see how that coincides with all the rock that's going to be going on on that vacation. It sounds like a freaking awesome, wicked vacation. 2,300 friends of Jericho, five venues of raging entertainment, endless rockin' memories, one wrestling ring on the open ocean, all aboard. The second wave is coming. It's just a few weeks away. I still wanted to go. I think I wanted to go to the first one. Wasn't old enough. Now I'm old enough. Wanted to go on the second one. Didn't have the money. I mean, Park De is sailing around from Miami to the Bahamas, and it's, I think it's been aboard the Norwegian Pearl to be a part of a history-making event combining rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcast, paranormal explorations, uh, and all-around outrageous moments in the middle of the ocean. I mean, it sounds pretty awesome, and if you still have a chance to go, don't be a stupid idiot, as Chris Jericho would say. Miss this all-elite vacation, man. Join the GOAT and thousands of friends of Jericho as they sail away on the the Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2. Sail away, man. So with that being said, I don't think they've announced any matches for that quite yet. It's going to be more like a live event for AEW more than anything else because then they got the big pay-per-view revolution coming in February. So we'll see what happens between Jericho, the Inner Circle, John Moxley. That's the biggest storyline going on in AEW. And then you got Cody Rhodes and MJF as well going at it after MJF turned on Cody at full gear back in November against Chris Jericho. So now Cody Rhodes can never be an AEW champion ever again. So that should be interesting. They're not advertised for the cruise, but probably for the pay-per-view right after. So with that being said, that was this week in pro wrestling. A lot's going on. A lot's going to go down in the coming weeks. We'll have this pro wrestling show weekly. I hope Barkley Truax, Hunter Shelton. Uh, We got a few guests coming on from the pro wrestling business in both WWE and for CBS Sports. So that that's something to look forward to. This was episode 138 presented by belly up sports remember to use the promo code osho 10 that's capital o-s-h-o-w 10 for ten dollars off your next order using you know it tickpick.com and if you're into banging weights eating steaks and sleeping eights like i know you are you want to use the promo code osho 20 that's capital o-s-h-o-w 20 for twenty dollars off your next order at mecca nutrition hit it hootie
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.